Good to see you guys. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for this uh, night together that we have and uh, this opportunity to talk about uh, the spiritual mechanics of labor and rest, this piece of art that Jack did. And I'm really looking forward to it because I feel it's so rich and can communicate something of you and your goodness and your work in this world to us. So I pray that that happens now. Lord, I was reading... Uh, John uh, 6, I think it was 6, this morning where Jesus says that he knows uh, what's in the heart of men. And so, Lord, we, we ask for you to know us right now and to help to help us to explain uh, ourselves and uh, to uh, touch others as well. Pray for our families that you be with them and care for them while we're uh, away right now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Sam. All right. Well, like I prayed... Today, I want to talk about the spiritual mechanics of labor and rest. This is a, a piece that you, Jack, uh, did. It's a lino cut. Did I say that the right way? Uh, a carving done on a linoleum block. Yeah, and I stuck it in the, on the press back there, so the block is actually oh, did you? back there. So, yeah. so for, for people who... Um, the process is you, yeah, you carve it and then mm -hmm. you, um, you put the paper on and you, and you press it, ink it or paint it and then press it. Yeah. Here's the, so it's like, um, if I add it at, hold it at an angle, you can see like a little bit of the, so it's just really shallow carving. Um, and so everything that you carve away is white in the print and everything that's left is black um so it's it's essentially like a stamp um well you know essentially or a stamp is essentially like this which more properly yeah um so <clears throat> it's uh it's big this one's big for me it's big this one's really big and seth you uh you have a copy i do you purchased I do. a copy I, I did several years ago. Yes. I, yeah. I have become quite a collector of, of Jack's art <laughs> over the years. Um, but yeah, I've got a piece. I don't have it in this room, um, unfortunately, but it is, it is pretty large. It's kind of hard to get the, the context just from that. What he showed there. Yeah. yeah. It's big enough to stand in front of, um, you know, halfway across the room and, and really kind of give it some attention. So I think, wow. Jack, Jack, what are the dimensions on it? Um, I think it's about, you know? it is about 15 by 24. There we go. 15 <laughs> by 24. It's the biggest I could make it and, and still run it through my press and leave a little bit of an inch okay. Uh, okay. On, on either and side. And you did, okay. And you did mm -hmm. two, you did a black and then a kind of, I don't know what the color is, a brown. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, it's color just kind of, of two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's mostly the, the the ink the brown ink is so dark it reads black almost but it's more mostly on two different papers um 
if you really were to compare them, you could see the difference between the inks. And I think you like you perceive it really differently. Um, a brown brown on like an off white paper registers so differently than black and white, even though that mm. even though like contrast wise they're so s similar. Um, and you can't; it's hard to show on a computer, but um, or you know any lot lit screen, but in person mm. there's a it's amazing actually. Um, the, how that it's just how s much softer it, it can be. So some things are just seem more appropriate in that way. And I, then I just can't make up my mind. So I do both, um, as I did in that, in this yeah. case. Well, it's one of my favorite things that, that you have, and that's why I wanted to, I wanted to talk about it. Uh, yeah. first and i and i really do think that it encapsulates a lot of our, our hearts for this podcast for the color of dust podcast um and i, I think it's a, it's just a good a good place to start how about i put it up on the screen and then we can we can go from there so um so that people can people can see it all right it'll be coming up here in a second this is the uh the full version but then i will uh break it down into sections and that might be fun to look at the different sections. So, uh, things, things will really pop out more and you'll notice people will notice more. Has it, right. has it, it appeared yet? It has, it appeared. has appeared. We can see oh, it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it has risen. <laughs> All right. So Jack, what's the origin of this? What were you trying to do? Uh, yeah. you know, from a, a high level thirty thousand foot view, what? Yeah, what's the, behind the, this? What's your motive? Yeah, so like the the first thing that came was like I just kept thinking about the spiritual mechanics of labor was just a phrase that I just had going through my head. <clears throat> excuse me for um, a really long time, and mm -hmm. which is common. You know, I think we mentioned that in earlier conversations, you know, sometimes these things just show up and kind of a way of, so, so the spiritual mechanics of labor and a lot of what I was thinking about is the, maybe the premise would be that in our, in kind of the, the modern world, there's a division between what people call like the natural re realm or the natural world and then the spiritual world or the spiritual realm or something, mm -hmm. if they even acknowledge mm -hmm. a spiritual realm. Um, but it's yeah. really common in like the Christian Christian culture to, you know, talk about those, like, especially in, I've noticed in charismatic circles, you know, it's just, there's just the shorthand of in the spiritual, spiritual or in the natural and there's this, so I've always throughout my life. And as I've, the older I've gotten through these experiences that essentially this deep, deep conviction that there is no separation between mm -hmm. what the, the spiritual realm and the natural realm. And it, it, it might be, you know, maybe more appropriate distinction would be this, some, you know, this what's seen and what's unseen, but 
I think even that is a little bit too narrow um, for my tastes. But the point, the biggest, the main point is that when you're, when I, for example, when I'm farming, um, that that's as much a spiritual act as it is and something that I enact upon the earth. Um, you know, so as much as I'm have my hands in the soil, I also am participating in a really complex spiritual milieu, maybe. I don't know if that's a, a good word or not to use in that mm -hmm. context, but like that there's a lot going on and as and so mm -hmm. I just always would everything kind of that I think about swirls around in this way. So I have a tendency to want to like catalog or store things and, or have things in a, I think it's a holistic tendency, I, I would say, you know, and that's, that was what kind of gave birth to the school of the transfer of energy as well is this, there's <laughs> just this really deep need in me to see all these things umbrellaed um, under something big. Um, so that the spiritual mechanics of let labor. Me, let became, me comment. Yeah, please. Well, I, I was, um, as I'm, as we're getting these episodes out, uh, to the world and on podcasts and websites and whatnot, I've been, uh, trying to come up with like little sentences or phrases that, uh, encapsulate what we're about. And one that I wrote today, which, uh, I think I was trying to get something in a sentence and I think for me, this maybe is part of what it's about. And I wrote like one of our aims is reuniting spirituality and theology in the soil of multidisciplinary arts and agriculture. So that that's sort of, I think what you're saying, reuniting these two worlds that, that aren't really separate from each other, the natural uh, uh, and the spiritual, but bringing them back together uh, at, in their proper whole uh, sense. Um, is that, does that um, track with you? Yeah. I the only kind of distinction I would make, and I think you kind of hinted at this even anyways, is that it's not so much a reuniting as um, a correction of my own perspective um, that, yeah. that these, that never have they been divorced Never have these things been yeah, yeah, yeah. pried apart. Only in our only in our own consciousness, you know, only in our interpersonal experience or cultural, you know, how how these things happen. If we grow up with them torn asunder, and mm -hmm. we're born with them whole, and so I'm really anxious to have these things i want to see them as they are <laughs> you know i always think about the kind of the penultimate uh example is elisha and his and his servant when they're being pursued in the mountains by the assyrians i think and because elisha's been you know given given away all the movements of the army and um and the servant is terrified and then so elisha just says 
you know, open his eyes so that he can see what, you know, what's actually there. And, and he does. And then there, here's the, the armies of heaven, right? Uh, everywhere out, you know, far outnumbering the Assyrians. And mm -hmm. um, so that perspective, that kind of changes everything. Um, so that's what I'm really mm -hmm. interested in when it comes to that is that <clears throat> I might not be able to see it all the time with, with my waking eyes, but I, I, I do think that there's, that I can live in a way that is, is expectant. And I mean, to me, it's really akin to seeking the kingdom of, you know, like in the seek ye first, the kingdom of heaven, you know, that, that to me, it's really akin to that. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, all that to say, sure. Yes. I agree with what you're saying with, um, <laughs> I read, uh, George, Mac George McDonald's, uh, Fantasties, uh, earlier mm -hmm. this week and it, it's doing, it feels like the same kind of thing. Uh, you talk, you talk about with you, you read know, the whole waking thing? eyes or whatever. Yeah. But, but quite literally, um, <laughs> is that the right word in, um, in Fantasties, um, at nighttime, that's when everything, that's when all the fairy creatures, you know, come to life in, in this, in this forest. And it's just, it's just a beautiful picture of, of the, of the bringing together of these two worlds. And you're right. It's not that they were ever separate, but I think what I was intending, like you said, was mm -hmm. uh, we, our culture, ha has separated them. And we think that we can just do theology, for instance, like we talked about before, like pinning butterflies on, a, on the board. Um, we think we can do theology apart from prayer and apart from acts, and, um, but we can't. We need, to, we need to bring back together spirituality and theology. Yeah, that's right. How about we um, dig into this, Seth? Unless you have something. Well, I, I'm, I've, I have a thought because one of the things that Jack has um, said over the years. Oh, well, I mean, his his website is called the School of the Transfer of Energy. I think I probably asked him about this at some point, but the idea that you can transfer energy, I immediately think of something like a gear, or. Mm -hmm a lever um, transferring energy from one device to another in putting it in this context of the spiritual and, but not that they're, they're divorced. They're, they're interlocked. They're the teeth of the gears are moving together. Mm. I don't know. Is that, that's, no, that's perfect because it's fair. That's, that's perfect. Um, I mean, actually one of the, so there's all these subtitles, um, for the school of the transfer of energy. And there's, there's hundreds of them, um, from the, like, I've got like a whole file of all these papers that go that, you know, I've developed over the years that are, uh, but there's, there's a whole like subtitles figure in a lot. And one of them is the Institute for signs and levers. Um, and that was one of the very first ones. Hmm, that's right. Um, and so mm -hmm. this idea of technology, is is really important and and i you know when i think of technology it's not something like um <laughs> like uh, a computer 
even though that's a legitimate uh, form of technology, um, I think of things like old farm machinery or plows or axes, yeah. you know, I think of ancient technology, like um, what art is, you know, to, and for me, art mm -hmm. has always been a form of technology and that there is, it's one, it's, it's, a, it, in essence, it's sort of like, a, it's a spiritual technology. Um, and I, I, I learned a lot about that studying African art um, in school. And that was like a big thing that, that they, that at least the, the texts that I studied talked a lot about how art functioned um, as a spiritual technology. And that just resonated with me profoundly. And so I've, you know, I've kind of always operated along those lines. And so like with this, the spiritual mechanics of labor and the school of the transfer of energy, there's like these guiding kind of principles that really have a lot of their roots in the, the Trappist prayer of, you know, Jesus make the work of my hands into a prayer. And this idea, these, this, the kind of brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God where he, you know, it doesn't matter what he did in the sense that he was washing dishes and he was in the presence of God or he was repairing sandals and he was in the presence of God. And so there was no separation. And I think for me, it's like, I, there's a real desire for even more kind of like maybe using brother Lawrence as a jumping off point that mm. here like leverage, you know, all these things are levers. So like in the print, you know, there's all these tools and because I work with mm -hmm. my hands, you know, um, tools are really important for me and how I, and, and so when I, when this got, got, you know, sort of governing principle of my life that the work of my hands might be a prayer. Um, and then even more like that prayer that evolved into like, may the work of my hands become worship. Um, so, and, um, there's, there's a lot of that kind of at work in the, in the print. And so there's a desire for me. It's like, I need to, like, I, I got to a point where it's like, I need to, I need to see all this together, mm -hmm. you know, and I read things. I always want to see it. I always need a diagram, um, because I've, you know, I'm obviously I'm a visual person. Um, mm -hmm. and so, so it's, it's in a way it's like a map or a diagram. And so like even the body, you know, where these, this idea of like the, the span of the arm and it's, it's interesting if you study sacred numerology, for example, you know, like all the measurements, a, a good argument for preserving inches and feet is mm -hmm. their connection to mm -hmm. there. I mean, there's those, that's, those are Reality. sacred numbers, right? Because it's, it's, mm -hmm. um, the, and even like the, the 60 seconds in a minute, you know, all these measurements that were analog, I guess, you know, compared to, you know, the metric system, which is efficient, 
Um, but it's, it's kind of inert as well. Whereas, you know, here we have something that's directly referencing, you know, you know, go, how, how tall is your horse? You know, how many hands tall is your horse? That's a, you have an immediate, you're like, you're going out there and it's like, that's, there's a relation, you have to have a relationship to even measure your horse. So, um, I guess these things are really important. You know, you look at the pyramid and that's exactly, yeah. Those are sacred. That's exactly what it feels like Mm -hmm. uh, to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Relationship. That's the word bringing us back into relationship uh, with the whole being able to, um, to uh, have, have the whole together, to know the parts and the whole. And like when I was thinking about even the title, the spiritual mechanics, I was like, where else have I heard that word before? Oh, like an auto mechanics uh-huh. book. Yeah. You, know, you have an auto mechanics book and well, that tells you how the car works, how, how, mm-hmm. how, you know, in the reality of the car functions, how things hold together. And, uh, that, that was a helpful analogy for me because this picture then becomes like, uh, the spiritual mechanics, how, how reality holds together and how we have a, a relationship to reality in the most uh, healthful and helpful way. Um, How about uh, we get into some of the smaller pictures and see which one comes up first. Okay. Uh, We have the lamp uh, here. Uh Yeah, it's funny because... With the words, is it good? Is it good? So... The is it is it good? I was I had serious reservations about this image as I was making it. Um, I, for some reason, I I it was one of those I was really really not sure if I was doing something um, doing something good, and so that was I just thought like, well, I need to ask the God hmm. about that. So my, my my modus operandi is to just to do that directly by putting it in the piece um, because it's like, I don't know if this mm. is good and not good in the sense of like, is this good art, but is this good in a more fundamental way? Um, because it's not mm. a given that, <laughs> that what comes out of me is going to be that um, either good art or fundamentally good in a, in this mm. connection to, who God is. So, so the, is it good is a direct question about the piece itself and what I was seeking to, to do. Um, the lamp, the lamp, the lamp, I mean, obviously there's loads of symbolism Mm -hmm. with the light. (laughs) Um, yeah. Next to a lightning bug. (laughs) Yeah. Next to a lightning bug. So the, the, um, just incidentally, I made when I got married, actually made a light that's that that's kind of based off of a a lamp I made a lantern out of wood um for my wife to carry um Mm -hmm. instead of flowers so she carried a light um in our Mm -hmm. when we got married and so it looked a lot like that so the uh that's kind of I mean we can go down a rabbit hole of light but Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah (laughs) and you have a a nut a nut and a screw there too. I appreciated yeah. that. Yeah, that's all, all that. So everything matters, you know, I mean, I, I guess it's just, 
Yeah. And as the more I went, the more I just tried to fill up as much space as I could because there's a, uh, I think there's a Latin term for it used, mm -hmm. got applied a lot to medieval art, you know, that just that filled all the margins with, with everything, you know? And so it was called uh horror vacui fear of fear of empty space essentially. So, um, <laughs> That's kind of how <laughs> I have to do that. Um, so, um, and here's the next one with the invitation, the holy invitation to labor and rest with God mm -hmm. on the scroll. Right. I'm going to actually, I'm going to open up my, some of those slides so I can kind of see, um, what's coming, yeah, yeah. um, really quick, if that's all right. Jack, as you're, as you're doing that, I'm, it strikes me as fascinating that you said, I think of technology in terms of ancient tools rather than a computer and a computer mm -hmm. for, for most of us is just so abstract. I don't know how it works. Um, mm -hmm. Even if I was a coder, I'm still just kind of entering in these commands that are, uh, even the way we talk about it, I mean, the metaphors that we talk about it and this is all going to the cloud. It's so uh -huh. abstract. Mm -hmm. But if I think about the spirit, I would almost think about it in terms of abstractness. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, fa it's, it's interesting that you're using these tools that are very much concrete. They're made of steel. They're made yeah. of wood yeah, uh, and leather to specifically talk about the spiritual. Um in the most concrete of ways. I don't know. I mean, we can keep going yeah. with that, but I, I kind of want to keep that at the back of my mind as mm -hmm. we, as we discuss this. Right. Well, it's really important to be able to see the connections. I agree. Um, you know, it's like Roy Underhill has, you know, is a great teach. If you're, I don't, um, if you remember like PBS Saturday, Roy Underhill was a, he had a woodworking show, called the Woodwright's shop mm -hmm. and he would work, he worked with hand tools. And so before this was before hand tools were a big deal out, there's a lot of hand tools and hand tool woodworkers out there. And like it used to be only Roy Underhill. I mean, it's a, just a different world. And so he, everybody called him St. Roy, the patron saint of hand tools. And, <laughs> but he's such, he wrote these great books and he's such an amazing teacher, but he talked, you know, he talked a lot about like, the wedge, you know, so you can look at like a, a screw or a nut or a bolt, like everything it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, a wedge in spiral. And so mm -hmm. there you're, mm -hmm. you're kind mm -hmm. of having a wedge, two different wedge forms to, you know, to create this level of force, you know, to do work. And so he, I think he's even has, I think one of his books is called working wood with wedge and edge. Um, so it's like this fundamental, like the wedge is a, such a fundamental piece of technology, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And you can kind of see it. And, and that's, I think why I love agriculture machine, agricultural machinery so much is because it's just right there. At least the old stuff that I use, it's all right there in front of you. Sure. Um, and, um, so you can, it's, it's, and then when you've used all the, ma like the manual forms, 
and you can see like the connection, the step from a scythe, you know, to a sickle bar mower or something like that. And there's when you, when you can kind of like draw those lines versus like a modern swather, um, it's a lot harder to make that connection between a scythe and a modern swather. Um, but, um, I can, I can get really lost talking about this stuff. So beware. Um, <laughs> I want to add something that a thought that, um, has been in my mind too, with this, that might, that might be helpful, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, this whole, like th this piece in particular, maybe even more of your pieces. Uh, we tend to think of, uh, work and labor. They get, they both get a very bad rap, you know, in, some in the church mm -hmm. and we think that it's um all of this you know work and labor has to do with the fall and uh then our our paintings our pictures our art have to do with kind of the drama of what happens after the fall and trying to uh -huh. clean up the mess but that would be like the equivalent of you know your automotive book that only writes about crashed cars uh -huh. uh, versus the auto mechanics book that ha mm -hmm. has to do with the, you know, the, the precision, the exactness of how things work and fit together. There, an argument could be made that, that this picture that, that you've made, it has to do with pre fall world. Mm -hmm. Like everything, uh, everything in here, uh, can, could be applied to Adam and Eve to the world, even before sin or the fall happened because it's illustrating how reality works and like why like seth you noted that usually abstract things are uh like lighter and higher and and that and that's true but the word became flesh there's like and you know john 114 there's yeah. this incarnational thing where every every material thing has a meaning to it the matter has has a purpose and uh, nature has spirit, you know, they're all, they're, they're joined together. That's how God made things. And this is a very positive then invitation. Speaking of the, this holy invitation, uh, that God has, uh, to everyone. Th this is how we align ourselves and, and, uh, in this world from, from a positive vantage point, rather than always, uh, I guess, playing cleanup. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly hmm. what that little message is about. Um, okay. So you, you read that perfectly because that's exactly what that is, is the, the premise that labor is not, you know, work is not punishment. <laughs> labor is like the, mm -hmm. the invitation, like, and I think that for me, it was always this thing that labor isn't about provision. Labor is about intimacy with God. And so... Mm. Like if I read, you know, if I continue reading from seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you, you know, it's like, that's where we have the promise of provision, you know, the birds of the, of the air that don't sow and the, and the lilies of the field that mm -hmm. don't weave and that they're provided for and that promise. So I guess for me, it's like, well, how, how seriously am I going to take? God, you know, I want to take him as seriously as mm -hmm. I can. And provision is a whole nother conversation, but the, for this, it's that 
labor, the invitation to labor is more about intimacy and engagement, like, like engaging the world, engaging creation, all these things. To me, that's all about relationship and intimacy with God mm. because he's, it's every, he's in everything, everywhere. Um, and so work for provision is something, you know, maybe that's secondary, secondary, at least secondary, maybe further down than that. But, um, so that's what this, that holy invitation to labor and rest with God is referring to, um, while we're on the slide really quick, um, can you go back to that one? Because mm -hmm. there's some of the tools have stories. Um, and so there's a, this little, this tool, um, that's to the left of that message is it's kind of, it, it's cut off at the bottom, but it doesn't go much further. It's like a little trowel. And one of my closest friends is, a Oops. is a, is an, is a orchardist. So he right, grows apples and peaches and, um, and he makes cider and he's a fascinating guy and he's a great man. And so he, while he was building, he spent a lot of time in Afghanistan with his family until 9-11. And then they had to come back to the States. And then of course he worked as he, while he was building, they started this orchard and he worked in agriculture in Afghanistan also. But, um, so while he was planting all these trees and doing all this and building this orchard up, he would, he worked as a consultant. Um, so he would travel to Afghanistan all the time, but I used to graze. We first met, I just, I used, um, at a farmer's market or something like that. And then he's on, he's a few miles from me. And so I used to graze sheep over there at his, on his land. And when we were walking around one day and I saw that tool in his barn and it had this beautiful curved, you know, so there's this thing, if, if you see, you have a curved handle like that and you see that it's made from a curved piece of wood, like they took mm. a branch that bent and they made the handle from that mm. instead of taking it, having a straight piece of wood and cutting a curve out of it. You know, and then you have a wheat grain, like you have that grain that could just break off. So, but when you have something like a, a natural crook in the tree, then you have like a super strong thing. So that's like an imminent example of <laughs> all of this, right? Um, and there's mm -hmm. thousands of examples throughout history of people using bent pieces of wood, um, for these different, mm. you know, ship's knees or, you know, mm. there's this great tradition in, um, Spain. Then they would like, they have whole forests that they grew and purposely bent all the trees in the forest, um, for the shipbuilding industry, you know, <laughs> so they would have all the right mm -hmm. bends in these trees that are super strong. Mm -hmm. So anyways, when I saw that, I loved the handle and the shape of it, it was obviously like a hand forged tool and it was so i you know i've never seen a tool in the in the america before that had that was shaped like that and he had it so i just told him how great i thought it was you know and uh <laughs> you know and he would take these trips to afghanistan every couple months and so he came back from afghanistan and he had had 
one of those he had had it one forged for me by a blacksmith in afghanistan and brought it back and gave it to me and so um it's just this really i use it all the time in my garden you know it's a great tool and it's just it's probably made out of like a leaf spring or something like that and it's got this beautiful taper to it you know that you only get when something's hand forged so anyway so that's a really special tool so there you know every lot a lot of the things that are in the piece or have a story behind them like that i'm on the next slide now yep uh and the the inscription there says every tool proclaiming the cross Mm -hmm. could you talk about that um i can try i think it's this it's almost more of a a prayer that is like hard to put words to beyond even beyond what it is but Mm. i think it's it's like the roots of one of the things that my my best friend says is he says worship is like God's breath returning to him. Um, and so I imagine when I'm working on a piece, well, you know, in my shop, if I'm working on a piece of furniture or a, just or planning a board down here with it for you know here that's a like a joiner plane. Um, so, and it's like every shaving that you pull off, you know, you're, it's, again, it's like the, the words are cheap for compared to the reality, but it's like to interact with these materials, whether in the form of the tool or in the resource itself, you know, that. God's breath is latent. I don't know if, you know, latent in every, it's in every, you know, every sort of molecule, right? Every particle is resonating with God's voice. And it's that idea of like, no word will go out. Like it won't return until it's accomplished its purpose. And so it's, Mm -hmm humbling to help a tree achieve its purpose. Um, may, maybe that's part of my job, you know, <laughs> is, and so it's like, as mm-hmm. it does, like, is like that part of its breath is returning to God in the form of worship, you know? And it's like, all that's through the cross being, the foundation of the word, the, the, the earth, you know, it's like, it's this thing that made the return to labor as intimacy possible. Um, so it's, you know, I, it's that, yeah. So I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. It's really hard to, mm-hmm. to, at, for at least right now, it's hard to put it to words. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking of it as, uh, in in terms of man, humans, we have our labor, and God had His labor as well, mm-hmm. and His work that He did on the cross, mm-hmm. uh, and um, every tool that we we have our labor, He has His labor in this world. Uh, just simply in, in terms like that. I you know if you if you look at that you you see the joining planer there as the obvious tool. I 
usually whenever I whenever I sit in front of this piece and kind of deal with it, mm-hmm. um, I, I I linger on that section of the of the of it because one I usually keep it in the room that I'm working in because as as you've said like if I'm if I want my work to be worship if everything that I am working on then I have to go through the cross I mean I can declare the the greatness of God and the beauty of God um but so much of that is hinges especially when we're talking in terms of spiritual and concrete things is Christ as God becoming man, becoming the word, becoming flesh. And then that leads to the cross. Uh, I haven't, even though I've spent a lot of time in front of that, looking at the planner, I haven't until now, just because we've got it broken up, seen the four nails and the spearhead. Mm-hmm. Um, because down at the bottom that we were just looking at, we've got a screw and a nut and here we've got nails. This is just another set of things that you would see in a carpenter's toolbox. Uh, not the spearhead, obviously, but these things, every tool proclaims the cross. Um, and I have, to, I have to stand there and say my work, uh, even if I'm doing something that's good and worshipful, still, requires the cross to redeem it. Mm. Um, if that makes sense, the nails are neutral in themselves. They're just, they're tools, uh, but they've been, they've been, they've been used for something mm. essential. I don't know. Yeah. Essential. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. I was going to say glorious. Mm. <laughs> I think that, mm. They're right there yes. next to that V, you know, which is, mm-hmm. that's rooted yeah. in like St. Francis's uh, proclamation, you know, when he received the stigmata and he's like the five wounds of Christ are like the five doors or windows where grace came into the world, you know, so those, mm-hmm. those nails and that spear punch those, punch those holes um, where the grace came through. It's, it's tricky business. And that's a, as a mo- it's a motif that shows up in quite a bit of your stuff. Is the five? In fact, mm-hmm. this I have a a cup that I've got a series of cups that Jack made for me. But I'll put it up to the camera if you can see it. Mm-hmm. There's a five. There's the mm-hmm. pretty much on everything that he makes. He's he's carved that. Here's grace coming through. If the five wounds of Christ are that window and the grace comes into our world, right. let let our tools, let our work be a window in which that grace comes through. That's right. Here's the next one. Uh, open unto heaven. I really, I really yeah. want to get to the two eyes. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are, are they? Um, do they show up completely on another one, or we could even talk um, about them here? Yeah. Let's see. I think they. Sh- yeah, the two eyes do. There's. There, we got two more. Okay. Uh, there. It's slide All right, six. We'll get to I the think. two eyes though. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So yeah, the this one. You know, there there's some printmaking tools over here. There's um there's a pill bug, and you know there's some. There's like a um, a pointing trowel 
uh, for doing masonry, you know, uh, this is the bowl is there's a, a friend of mine, um, who, uh, I got all my garlic stock from years ago and he, he, uh, he makes these beautiful bowls, the huge bowls. He, mm. I think he, he's in, um, Maine and his name's Maddie. And, uh, I have one of his bowls, but a lot of his bowls, he, he's got a bunch of cherry trees on his farm. And so he makes these gorgeous cherry, cherry, um, like big bowls. And then he, he'll, some of them he'll like paint like the outside with milk paint. So mine is like this gorgeous yellow ochre, um, bowl, you know, with yellow, yellow ochre milk paint on the outside and it's cherry on the wood on the inside. It's incredible, but, um, just super straightforward. He doesn't sand them or anything. He just leaves all the tool marks. But if they crack as wooden bowls do sometimes when they're drying, cause you turn them when they're, the wood's still green. Um, he'll just mend them with a piece of copper. And, uh, hmm. and I, I that's just, what that is there. that's what that is. That's just one of his bowls. And I just, uh, the tradition of mending things, with bits of metal <laughs> is a time honored, you know, I mean, I, how many barns have I been in where somebody patched the knot, a knot hole in the siding board with the bottom of a coffee can, you know, like where the <laughs> knot hole popped out after overtime and the, the draft was getting in. So they hammer nailed a, the bottom of a coffee can to, to cover it up or something, you know, or like I just, there, so there's, there, there's a lot there. But I, I, again, it's like there's it's something that has a story that means something. The I, the the vessel itself, like a the bowl. I, I've spent I made a lot of wooden bowls over the years, and um, the idea of a vessel, you know, there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of symbolism in a vessel, and a broken vessel, mm -hmm. you know, and of course, mm -hmm. you know, the Bible uses clay more than wood in that context. But um, I think there's there's a there's something about like, so open unto heaven is like that vessel, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's open and there's something about being empty and open unto heaven and having that capacity, um, to, um, receive, you know, from everything that God is. And mm -hmm. so being open, wide open, like that's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Open and broken unto heaven. That's right. So That's right. here we have the uh, the <clears throat> two eyes, and I, I think this is one of the the key ones. I would I would mm -hmm. think. Um, <laughs> but you have okay. Mm -hmm. My first the first thing I want to say maybe I'm maybe I'm way off, but you know you have you have the three sets of eyes, and what has always what has struck me is usually the um darkest part of a of a of a body are the eyes they get the heaviest lines and this guy's eyes aren't very dark they're kind of they're light in comparison to how they should be but then the the uh actually the eyes gradually get darker as you go up to this eye in heaven um i don't know talk about the eyes yeah um 
The eyes are in, are interesting. It, it's funny. I've may, maybe for good reason. They make they do make people uncomfortable, um, especially <laughs> Christians. <laughs> Christians often are often uncomfortable with the eyes, um, and I think because maybe um, uh, maybe there's. I don't know. Some I've had, I've just had people respond and wonder like, well, I, I don't understand why you're putting this in here. And, um, is this the evil eye or, you know, or they think, or like this mm. Masonic eye or something like that. Um, and I, all I can say is <clears throat> with, well, there's, a, there's a lot I can say, but so fundamentally, I'll, I'll Oh, go ahead. Comment. Please. Yeah, please. Well, I, it is. It's definitely the thing that you're going to see the first. I mean, just I think biologically we're wired to look somebody in the eye or to see. Mm. There's some sort of like instant communication there. Are mm. you friendly? Are you a foe? Um, but it, it, when you when you walk into the room and see this, the first thing that you're going to be drawn to is is the large eye at the top. Um, one, it's dead center at the top of the of the, of the piece, but also it's an eye. Um, and then, it, and then you move down, but I'll let you take over from there. Um, but it, it's, it's, yeah, pretty, it's, it's very striking. I've, I've always noticed, you know, I've noticed that in art, you know, the, the most powerful eyes or faces, you know, essentially and hands are the most, are, they just carry so much power and presence. Um, mm -hmm. so, there's just an intensity of, I mean, obviously we're just wired to respond to those things. Um, but I've always loved mm -hmm. that hands are the, the, are the thing that come right after the eyes in terms of, or yeah. the face in terms of what is really carrying the power in a, in directing. And they're the, the hardest gaze. to draw. Yeah. <laughs> hands are my, my little, my little daughter Eve, la she started drawing um, these hands last year, this past year, and they are so cool. They are so intense. She draws these knuckle lines on them. I'll, I'll, I'll have to dig one out because I've saved some. But man, they are interesting. I it's, so, anyways, um, I love seeing that. But uh, so the eye. I would say like the easy answer is that the eye is the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, maybe you could, but I, you know, when I set out to do something, I don't, I'm not setting out for like a one-to-one -one simple, like True. this is the all seeing eye of God, you know, that's, that's, that may be a part of it, but there's a lot more going on. And, there's a long story that I, there's no way for me to tell, um, in this, in a time right now, but there, and it's hard to, to, I had a visionary experience with, with, the, with the eye of God. Um, it would have been probably some between 10 and 12 years ago that, um, 
really was a profound and life-changing experience for me. And, um, and so like the, I took on the re even more significance for me in that regard. And it's funny, I look at stuff I did in high school and I still had like eyes at the top of the stuff. So it's like, I've, <laughs> I've been doing it for a long time, but, um, but it's, so it's funny how like you grow into those things, you know, it's like, it's, it was always there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, but then it's like, mm -hmm. at some point you brought in, but there's a, there's a beautiful passage in Zechariah, and God says, "Like you're the you're in the pupil of my eye. Some translations are apple of my eye, but He's just like, it's just like you're protected and you're safe, and nobody's gonna mess with you because you're in the pupil of my eye. And it's like, um, it's a really significant position." to to find yourself in and in relationship to God to be in that the pupil of God's eye so there's there's something really there's a lot with that that's that's captured in that eye and then I think there's just that relationship of you know the smaller one I you know for me again it's like I don't it's not like, well, this is, this means this, and this means this, like it's, there's, there's, it's more suggestive than like, it's mm -hmm. talking. It's like, so like, how does that, that is that I moving down? Is that like part of like this, my spirit and how my spirit relates to God and how my spirit is meant to see, um, you know, so I mean, there's, you know, there's the, there's a, obviously like the kind of the tradition of the third eye that you see in a lot of mm -hmm. um, cultures and stuff like that, that in essence is a spiritual eye. So I, I don't have any problems with that. Um, it's just the way the world works. You know, God, God, it's, it's like, I don't know, that stuff doesn't bother me. I think that's just, it's just part of seeing the elephant one piece at a time. Um, so one of the first names, uh, in the Bible that God has given is El Roy, uh, he who's the God who sees. Mm -hmm. And I, I, when I look at this, it, it ministers to me in the sense that, yeah, the big eye is God's eye, but it's a prayer for me, like open the eyes of my heart. And I know that, that, that other eyes in his, in the top of his head, but might as well, might as well be his heart. And yeah. It's like I have my eyes where I'm um, – and eyes are so significant in the Bible, like so significant, like in Genesis onward, like trusting in your own opinion or, or evaluation of life. You know, that's what Adam and Eve did uh, rather than trusting in God's vision. And it's like my my prayer is God help me to, um, to trust your sight and your vision uh, even, even more than – my own because mine can get affected. It's, it doesn't always get affected, but a lot of times it does. And uh, I need to lean, you know, lean not on my own understanding, but on, but on you. So uh, you yeah. seeing through me, um, help me to help me to help me to trust you, help me to see what you see, uh, how this world is unfolding.
Well, that yeah, it's like that big eye. It's very much like the big eye is guiding the little eye, you know. And it's there's a mm-hmm. there's just there's a progression there, and and it is it's like that movement is moving down into the heart. And I think there's a lot there mm-hmm. with the the eye, in that there that the on the hat that's like what we've talked about with intuition and imagination and um, mm-hmm. those conversations that we were talking about a spiritual sense sense, you know, so, um, but just some other symbols, you know, you have the, the coal, you know, to touch the tongue. There's, um, you know, the owl is, a, the owl is always a tricky symbol because he's kind of symbolizes an, an art or European art history. The owl is symbol, a symbol of the presence of evil, which is a, a entirely different thing than the owl being a symbol of evil. Um, and I think part mm-hmm. of that is because the owl sees in the dark. And um, so, again, it's like the owl is right there with where all the seeing is happening, you know. So there's there's something about being able to see in the dark um, that the owl, which is why the owl is maybe considered wise also. Um, so um, he's... A, not a bad counselor to have right there on your <laughs> shoulder, but there might be some tension between him and that little mouse over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. The right and left shoulders too. Wow. Uh, where I want to, um, keep us to a certain yeah. amount of time. I want to pick out <laughs> one slide that I want to look at in particular. And then okay. if either of you have one that you really want to make sure you want to look at, uh, be sure to be sure to tell me. Um, here we have the uh, the heart and the plum the plum line. Um, yeah, which is the one that you wanted to talk about, Sam? Yeah, let me uh, let me get to it. You're getting it. Okay. Oh, I love the sheep. <laughs> um, I want to go to. It's because you have a shepherd's heart, Sam. Uh, you have a shepherd's heart. Uh, <laughs> I want to. This this one right here, you have, I don't know if that's a turnip, but you have the sheep above Mm -hmm. and you have, I love the fact that, I mean, this is so, this is blown up, you know, big here, but uh, in that full picture, you may not, you know, notice it right away, but you've, you have earthworms there and you have the, the, the bones. I think that's a bone, the guy's foot over a, a femur or a bone there. Uh-huh. Um, this is one of my favorite, um, uh, areas of it. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, I'm curious. I can, I, I want to ask you why, why it's your favorite. Well, because you have the, um, the, the, you have the darkness of being underground. You have the, the, the death you have, I mean, there's a jewel down there too. So the treasures hidden in the darkness. Um, you, you, there's a there's a place for death, but then you also have life there in the worms. Uh, we we think of worms as being gross and dis- disgusting and a sign of decay, but we forget that decay is also regeneration and rebirth and renewal. It's it's not stagnant, uh, but it's it's movement and it's bringing new life. And then you have an obvious plant, you know, as a sign of that growing up. That's that's life. That's living. So you have the places where I think a lot of 
Christians and people are even non-Christians, even even non-believers are afraid to go and afraid to recognize um, the beauty of when and like when you when we when we have all talked about art, whether it's art or poetry, we're not talking about when we when we talk about faith art as like this. We we're passionate about it because we want to beautify the church with these nice, um, polite, uh, moving stories about Jesus or the Bible. Like that. That's that's not it. It's um, it, it's more of this is how reality is in all of its darkness and decay and ugliness, and it's the way God works and it's beautiful and it's and there's movement and He's doing something and there's life there. And that really resonates with me, uh, having gone into some very dark places and seeing how God can bring life and renewal uh, from that. That's good. That's good. Um, I like uh, the, I mean, we pointed out the bone, but there's also this sword <laughs> that's under yeah. the ground. Uh-huh. Yeah. I assume that's a sword. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, just the kind of history that's we we don't even have we don't have access to, but we know mm-hmm. is there because occasionally you have these these things that churn up out of the earth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I was a kid, we'd go hunt arrowheads, um, mm-hmm. yeah. which more than likely killed somebody. <laughs> you know, yeah. they were used in these wars around here. Maybe um, that guy right next to him. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And like all of this history that we're not privy to and, and really we don't even, we don't mm-hmm. have a historical record of, um, are, are down there and that mm. God, that none of that is beyond God's sight. Um, it may be beyond ours and occasionally something will turn up and open our eyes to something. Um, and then I also like the fact that that turnip is, it, I mean, it's right there on the topsoil. It exists under the ground in with all this stuff, but it's also sustenance for us. It's our food mm. yeah. underneath the ground. And yeah. I really, really want to make this comment. How I, I can get stuck on the details of this. I mean, you get the grass. I mean, thousands of blades of grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the sheep's wool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this is probably the thing that you would least like to talk about. But the, I mean, the skill that's involved in this, for one, this is all done backwards and in negative, right? Mm-hmm. So when you carved it, you're just carving out the white spots. Um, and then you ink it and go flip it over and this thing comes out in this, in this direction. That's, that's very moving to look at. Um, so thank you, Seth. Every tool. Yeah. Right. So I mean, just the 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 beautiful paradox of that right there—that that 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 the dark space of the ground was actually light when you made it. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Like the, I think mm. you know, I, I've I've always the roots. You know, roots are a big deal, um, and. Mm-hmm they've they've are kind of an important part of the imagery that I work with and I there's a big part of what I think about on a daily basis 
Um, and, and that, that idea of being, cause the other foot, you don't see the other foot in this particular slide, but the other foot is root has roots going down into the earth too. Um, and so there's a big part of like me as a farmer and as, you know, a little bit weirder as a, as a tree, I'm rooted to the earth and as a farmer, as a husbandry man, I'm rooted to the earth. And so I participate actively with that life cycle, with that death, life and death. You know, it's like Wendell Berry said, you know, it's not the wheel of life. It's the wheel of life and death. It does not turn without death. You know, it's that same kind of thing. Like we want to ignore, you know, just like we, there's a, there's been a, an, an imposed divorce between this, what's spiritual and what's natural. There's a, there's a similar divorce imposed between yeah. how life and death function together. And, um, I was talking to a guy today about that in the food cycle and how, um, it was actually kind of funny. Almost everybody's been, usually when I talk to a lot, often people are, have a piece of art that they're drawn to my work through. And he, for, he was actually, it was a picture of lamb chops that <laughs> I, that <laughs> I, I had posted a picture of lamb chops and had the caption. I don't know what I said, but it, he really responded to it. And, um, but it had a lot to do with, the, I think it had something to do with that breath returning back to God. And, um, that cycle is, is really, um, that all these things are participating in, you know, and there's a bajillion different ways to talk about it. And, and, um, a lot of people that are better at talking about it than I am. Um, but I really, really like being rooted to the earth and, um, and there's, uh, there's as much of God down there as there is in heaven. And, um, mm. there's some big mysteries down there <laughs> that, um, that are pretty, pretty incredible. And so, mm. uh, yeah, so those jewels kind of signify some of that, you know? And then like what you were saying, mm -hmm. Seth, there's that history, you know, there's just, it's such a, I, it undoes me when I find something, you know, I, I stumbled upon a spear point, a 3000 year old spear point, um, a few years ago and on, and, and a, on one of, on my dad's farm and, uh, I didn't know it was that old until I had it looked at by some people. And it was just like, it's a, it's, it is, it looks like the, it was just made, but it's like, how do you comprehend this? <laughs> that this, somebody really, there's a lot of care that went into this. And I think about my friend, my friend Tom, who gave me that tool from Afghanistan, one of the things he says is that, you know, creativity is the most powerful form of spiritual warfare. And I, I, uh, hmm. I, I, I just have always 
thought that was a pretty wise thing. And um, what does it mean for some mound builder 3,000 years ago to make a spear point like that? And uh, what was that doing, you know, a thousand years before Christ? Um, you know, yeah. there's that's this, there's that that's what I'm thinking about when I think about the spiritual mechanics of labor. And um, I'll be real honest with you that I added and rest almost as not <laughs> it's it's really important. Don't get me wrong. But I was like what I was really fixated on was the labor part. And but the the rest is the exhale. You know, it's it's mm. it's is just as essential and it's just as much in there um but i'm a little bit unbalanced when it comes to labor and rest sometimes um well i mean think about the think about what's happening underneath the topsoil there for mm-hmm. i mean the worms are laboring but so much of that is death, is the rest um mm-hmm. Is the decay is the it's the wheel of yeah. life and death, the, mm-hmm. also your wheel of labor and rest, but yeah, it's it is happening. They're allowing us to to continue laboring. Yeah, Seth, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. You're um, uh, you mentioned before an elder at your church. Mm-hmm. I just in the context of wanting to uh, minister to people, to lead people, how. What part of of the this piece um, stands out to you that that people re- really would benefit from taking in and contemplating? Uh, you know, in the in the rush of life and all the things that we're caught up in, and all of our what we think's important in our evaluations of things, and how we're screwing up <laughs> life and getting things lopsided and tra-la lying around and what 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 part of this do you think is for um, the average churchgoer? I you know one of the things you you said was the in the rush of our lives, and I hate to take I I hate to be contrary to your question, but it is I think anytime people come to the house and they see this, it's it's pretty arresting, right? Mm. So you you stop and you have to look at it. And then you start to zero in on different pieces of it. But the entire thing is doing the exact thing that you were asking about. Mm-hmm. It's making a stop from the rush and, and, and contemplate, uh, meditate, maybe another word. And I don't even have to, I don't have to lead them through it. I don't have to guide them through it. Occasionally they want to ask some questions. What do you think this owl is or whatever? I don't know. I'm glad I got to talk to Jack about it tonight. Cause he told me what the owl was. Um, but it really is like they they just become completely arrested and they 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 start to see the different the different pieces they'll they'll notice the squirrel coming up the frame on the vines right they'll notice the earthworms um everybody's always got a question about his foot becoming rooted but the fact is they just stopped what they were doing and i think that's i think that may be the the big thing uh, about this piece uh, about art in general is that it has that ability to make us stop, uh, kind of have a, to see things that we wouldn't have seen before, uh, which is not ironic, but very intentional. I think on Jack's part here, yeah. uh, that he's using the eyes. 
I think that's a good place to uh, wrap it up for today. You guys have anything else you want to want to add or because there's the just because there's the asparagus just because the the slide we're looking at I don't know if you can see there's some <laughs> asparagus growing in there and uh, that's that's just um, there's a really great book by this guy named Oh there Ewell it is Gib back there Ewell Gibbons yeah uh -huh. yeah yeah so there's a great book by this guy named Ewell Gibbons called um, The Search for Wild Ascar Asparagus and um, so he was a forager before foraging was cool. Um, it's a great book about foraging and, uh, and it's, you know, wild, wild, I mean, you can find wild asparagus anywhere and it's, it's hmm. funny sometimes, you know, I mean, I have a big asparagus patch in my garden and it, so I don't need to look for wild asparagus so much anymore, but, <laughs> um, I, I was, I was kind of disappointed. There was a, in Wichita, there was a really great patch just right on the edge of town. And then they dug it up and put a church there. Um, so I don't know how to feel about that, but, um, I was, I, I've, I've mourned, I mourned for the asparagus. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but anyway, anyways, I, I just wanted to point out the asparagus and just mention you <laughs> Gibbons because he's a worthy fellow. And the patches on the guy's knees from prayer. Yeah. And from being <laughs> in the earth, right? That the work, yep. the, like the work, our work, mm. may our work be a prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. right. Mm. Yeah. It's, there's any time I find myself on my knees doing something, it makes me pretty glad because mm. I, it's, uh, and I'll, I'll end with that, with this kind of, thought that the big sort of idea so I, my best my best friend and I have we work through these ideas um over years and years and years we've talked about so much of these these things um and he also is a steward of land and a lot of the, like, we've always, like, how do we pray for land? How do you do this stuff, you know? And, uh, like, how do you heal a land that's been wounded or, you know, had trauma enacted upon it or different things like that or just land that's been abused and farmed poorly? Um, and it, I, my, I've really, it's like, it is, as much a prayer for the land to practice good stewardship and um, um, responsible husbandry, you know, as it is to, to stand there and say a prayer with your voice. In fact, it's might be, I think it's a more powerful, uh, you know, for me, it's like, putting my sheep on a piece of land and letting them have their lambs on that land is a powerful prayer for that land. Um, more powerful than anything that could come out of my mouth. Um, so that, that I'll, I'm abbreviating what I want to say there, but that's hopefully you, that mm -hmm. gives a little bit of the, the, what I'm, you know, it's like putting, putting them, putting a lot, if you, if your soil is a, 
is acidic. Putting lime, putting limestone on your fields is a prayer for the land. So, um, anyways, lest I start preaching, uh, that that's an important part of what's what's going on. Yeah, with this print, you know, and it's I, there's I was trying to remember the name of the movie. I told you guys about it before. Something about a mountain at midnight. I forget. Um, but there's a scene and it, it's, it's about a, a girl who runs away from, um, home. She, or, or she was orphaned or something, but she had to go live with her, uh, grandparents, I think, who were, uh, Gwich'in in Canada, uh, G-W-I-C-H, some, yeah. um, Na- Native American tribe. And she ran away from them trying to, you know, get back to, I guess, where she was from she got lost in the in the wilderness but she was found by a guy by a gwichin man and the movie is about their 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 journey together and at one point uh in the movie she's you know from the city very kind of you know we would say normal uh, not from the outdoors and there's one point in the movie where he's they're both looking out over all of creation and he says something to the effect of what you see out there is what you see inside yourself too. So like when you Jack talk about how do you how do you heal land, how do you take care of that? Like these lessons from the land are are I believe they're God's way of proclaiming to us what we need and what we can take for how we can heal ourselves too. Like they're, they're both together. There's that hole again. It's not like, Oh, we're just, we're so concerned about the land and we're not concerned about people or vice versa. It's like, in my view, they all, they're all together. And the more you you can see the beauty and the glory out there, the more you'll be able to accept and love yourself worms and all inside your life. So it's really good. If people want to uh, get this piece, don't want to turn this into a promo, but go to bombworkshop.com. Is that the right website? And uh, yeah. people can learn more more about the piece. But uh, it was really important to me to be able to look at this with you guys and talk about it for uh, this episode. So thanks, Jack, for leading us through it. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, it's my All pleasure. Right. It's good. It's good. Good to be with you guys. Well... We're um, working on, you know, by the time uh, this comes out, uh, we may have a, a website and <laughs> uh, social media and all that. So uh, we'll keep people posted about those things. But um, it, it'll be something about the color of dust. So people will know where to, where to find us on all those places. So that's all I've got. Good to be with you guys. And you too. All right. Till next time, we tried to keep it within an hour. We're at an hour 20, so that's pretty good for us. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs)